Hello and welcome to Coexisting. It's 2020, and due to the coronavirus making its way across the world, we find our towns and cities in lockdown in an effort to slow the pandemic. Quite apart from the COVID headlines filling our screens, I was curious to hear how people were living day to day. So, I asked the same eight questions to people in different countries to get a glimpse of their lives during their version of Shelter at Home. The questions I ask cover life right now as that person is living it. What day of shelter are you on? What are the rules in place? What is it like in the streets where you live? What practical advice has helped you at this time? What is your most memorable moment? And what would you say to someone who is feeling low today? It's part information, part human story archive, but mainly trying to get an uplifting bent on this insane situation we find ourselves in. And at the same time, preserving these memories in audio. Memories that will, in a very few short months, be forgotten. So, plug in those headphones or that speaker, grab a cup of tea or a glass of the good stuff and take a seat. This is Coexisting. Hi, I'm Ian. I'm speaking to you from the UK. I'm uh, living just outside the city of Manchester. I'm originally from Zimbabwe and South Africa, but I have been here for now the past 40 years. I have three grown-up sons, and I'm a television scriptwriter by trade. So we are in week nine, I think, of the lockdown. Our initial lockdown period was for three weeks, and then that was extended by another three weeks, and then some rules were relaxed, but not by much. As I speak, our, our beloved Prime Minister is relaxing some more rules, but again, it's, it's very, very small steps. At the moment, we're able to exercise as often as we like. We can go shopping. We can now visit one person from outside our household, but only outside and only at a two-metre distance. And that's about it. The big thing for me that's allowed, which I talk to a lot of my relatives in South Africa, they're not allowed to buy alcohol and haven't been from the start. That's something that thankfully we, <laughs> we can. I'm sheltering with my wife and our oldest son who moved, he actually lives in London, but he moved back in with us when the lockdown started and he's working from home. My wife is working from home and I'm working from home and our youngest son who should be in his final year of school, but school was cancelled, final year exams were cancelled, so he's working in a supermarket in the morning. So yeah, that's my current state of play. As I mentioned, I'm a script writer, so my desk is in my house, my work clothing is hopefully not my pyjamas, but I cross the landing to get to work. So in that regard, nothing much has changed. I had actually been working full-time for an organization, but I went back to being fully freelance at the start of this year. So some things are very much the same. The main issue really is that many of the people I work for have had their work life disrupted. Many of them have been furloughed. A lot of people that I'm contacting to say, you know, that project we were going to start over the summer and I'm getting an out of office saying they've been furloughed or even been made redundant. 
Most of my work is in television and TV production has completely ground to a halt. So a number of projects that I had lined up have had to be postponed. A lot of decisions that were about to be made on some of my development work have just been pushed into next year. The other issue I have is that I generally supplement my income by running a lot of workshops and visiting schools and universities and working with teachers and undergraduates and postgraduates. And a lot of the work I do is international. So obviously that's all ground to a halt. It's tricky because I kind of fall between the cracks for any of the government support that's out there. So money's starting to become a bit of a concern. I'm fine for a few more months, but if the lockdown really drags out, then I may have to look at alternatives as I'm kind of dependent on other people getting back to normal. Outside my house right now, it's bizarrely sunny, which for the north of England is a rarity. And it's it's kind of been like that since the beginning of the lockdown. It's almost as if the world went, we know you're going to struggle, but we'll at least let you have a barbecue and sit in your garden. We are on week nine of the UK lockdown and are definitely both better off and indeed worse off than some countries. And I talk to a lot of friends around the world because of my international work and every every conversation begins with a a like-for-like comparison. The fact that we can exercise as often as we like, I know puts us in a better position than lots of countries because, you know... I'm not saying that everyone has suddenly bought a bike and taken up running, but you do see an awful lot of people walking who never used to, would have driven everywhere. We can shop, and actually the shopping has slightly changed at the start of the UK lockdown. It felt a bit warlike. You know, there was a lot more queuing and a lot more empty shelves, and it kind of feels like it's getting back to normality. And being able to meet one person from outside the household is fine and it's good. It means you can kind of see one parent but you know i think the general opinion is that it's a bit nonsensical because if you can only see one person does that mean you see your mother one week and your father the next week if they're in separate houses there are constant discussions about the further relaxations of restrictions to come and it's very odd at the moment because the country does seem to be really split down the middle you meet people who are living in absolute total fear and go above and beyond the rules. You know, you meet people and they kind of say, yeah, I don't go out at all. I have my shopping delivered. I, I don't see anybody because they're so worried about catching it. And the other half of the population sees people really kind of playing fast and loose with the rules and lifting their own lockdown restrictions. And the mood on the streets has also changed. At the start, there was a real feeling of us all being in this together. It was very very friendly and people would say hello to strangers and now it's all a little bit more edgy. Patience feels like it's running out. Social media is incredibly nasty. There's lots of local Facebook and Twitter groups and anybody who posts anything, it's there's always an argument below where somebody takes umbrage at something that someone else has said. And the clapping for the NHS has been great every Thursday night at eight o'clock. The whole country would stand on their doorsteps and clap for a minute for our nurses and doctors, and that's stopping tonight. So, yeah, the interaction that happens is when people are walking and passing strangers and quizzes. Oh, my God, there are more quizzes, Zoom quizzes. There is a Zoom quiz on offer nightly. The, the country's general knowledge will be through the roof when we finish. The sentiment behind it is obviously fantastic, but there has also been a bit of a backlash. And there are people from within the NHS saying, 
I would rather be paid properly. I would, ra- I would rather have protective equipment than be applauded, nice though it is. But I think the reason for it stopping is just that it, it has to stop at some point for it. You know, the impact is, has been done. And maybe there's just that sense that, you know, we are heading back towards normality and this is the end of something that was there for the darkest bit of what we're going through. It's sort of a shame in a way because it, it's the one opportunity you get to sort of stand outside and smile at people and see lots of people in one, one go. So it's evening here. It's 6.20 p.m. Um, I'm in my office at home. So as I said before, fundamentally, the lockdown's made very little difference to my day-to-day. This is where I would be on a regular weekday this time last year. The only difference, I guess, is that I used to be at home working on my own, and I'm very much used to having the building to myself. And now I have my wife at the dining room and my oldest son in, you know, on a desk somewhere else. And everyone's on Zoom calls at the same time and having to ask someone else to be quiet. And you kind of walk through the dining room to make a coffee and there are two people that you gave birth to on a webinar. And that it, it just takes a bit of getting used to and having to juggle that kind of feeling of space and time. And outside my window, there's just this steady stream of people walking, riding bikes, running. And my road isn't, uh, has never been a, a running track. But because everybody's looking for outdoor space, every road is now a potential exercise route. So um, I would normally look out the window and just see cars. And now it's passing pedestrians, which I must say I like. Uh, that's one thing I've enjoyed. Not seeing a lot less cars has been one of the few things that I have enjoyed about this. My greatest concern at the moment is the care of my dad. My father is elderly. He's 86. He had a bike accident two years ago. He fell off his bike without a helmet on, so he has a brain injury. And then my mum died very suddenly last summer, so the kind of care of him has passed solely to me. And he lives an hour and 15 minutes away. So I, a lot of my day is spent calling people, checking up on him, driving over twice a week. And we didn't go visit him at all for three weeks because that was the rule. You couldn't visit anybody. And then we realized that there were just the knock-on effect of that was so big that I ended up getting a letter from the police and, and his consultant. So if I'm ever stopped, because he lives by the sea, so... On a hot day, half the idiots in England travel to Wales to go and visit a beach, and you're not allowed to. So there are police roadblocks, and I'm I'm kind of allowed to go through. But the kindness that I see around that situation is really phenomenal. So there are Facebook groups in his village and, and in mine called things like Leave No One Behind. And if anybody needs any shopping, a neighbor will come out, you know, you can post, can somebody check on my dad? And within minutes, somebody will drop what they're doing and go and see. Um, Every time he goes and buys a paper, he comes back with a little note that says, don't feel you need to do your shopping. I'll deliver it to you. He's actually, we've had a shocking week with him. He ended up, uh, we ended up having to take his car away because he got lost driving to the shop and went down a cycle track. So then we realized he was not capable of driving, and then ended up in hospital this week. So again, that's bizarre for me because I'm used to 
having an elderly parent in hospital and going in every day and chatting to a doctor and a nurse and, and just not hearing anything is very odd. But the nurses and the kind of occupational health people and now social care that's kicking into place to say how, you know, we need more help for him when he comes out is extraordinary and just universal. Every single person that you, you speak to about this situation and, and he will report back and say, when he ended up driving down the cycle track, the policeman that rang me was, you could just feel care and concern from him. And the next day, my dad rang me and said, you'll never guess who I've just bumped into, the policeman. It was the same policeman who'd driven past and stopped and got out to check he was okay. And it wasn't out of a sense of duty. It was just one human being reaching out to another. And I see that all the time. Wherever he goes, people will stop and check on him and... Um, so, yeah, there's a real sense, even though the cracks are starting to appear in it all, I think that that sense of community and desire from 80, 90% of the population to look after each other is really, really strong. Trying to stay positive during the really tough days is the biggest hurdle, I think, for all of us. And somebody recently, I was kind of just listening to a podcast or something, um, just as a really simple bit of advice, but which was to write down a list of everything you can control and everything that you can't. And it was just a way of reframing how to look at the whole situation and look at those tough days. And as I understood it, the can't control list might be things that you have absolutely no power over. Like, for instance, saying, well, it's really tough not being able to shop or to go on holiday or to eat out and or you hear people all the time saying, I just want things to get back to normal. Now, you know, it's a very easy thing to say, but clearly if you can't control it, there's no end to it. Whereas the can control list, which is something I've started doing, is just writing down other ways of seeing friends. So um, I was feeling frustrated at not being able to see people. So I, I started just sending messages to people that I hadn't seen for a couple of years going, do you fancy a Zoom? Do you fancy a Skype? And my mood immediately lifted because it was something I could control or whether it's a useful piece of advice for anyone else, I don't know, but it certainly helped me. And I've passed people talking or I've kind of engaged in conversation with people where I've wanted to say to them, you're railing against something you can't control, you know, and it's, it's energy sapping and there is nothing we can do about this. Focus on the things that you can control. And yeah, I can't even remember who said it, but it was useful for me. The only message I've got really is just one that I keep hearing, one that I guess we all will be saying is that it will all be over. The uh, one day we will be back to normal. You know, maybe it's just the eternal optimist in me, but hopefully the world will, in a way, be a better place for it. There are positives coming out of this. You know, I've started looking up at the sky now and seeing clear evidence that us not flying and driving as much as we are is a good thing. It's really made a difference. And there's a lot of stuff I'd like to keep, you know, kind of, we all sit around a table and eat meals together instead of rushing from one thing to another. And um, there are good things and it, uh, it will all pass one day and we will have our lives back. So this is the sound of the UK's Clap for Carers, the very last one. It's been uh, a regular occurrence every Thursday night at 8pm when everybody comes out onto the street, 
claps, bang saucepans, cheers, cars driving past, hoot. And it's uh, been decided that's going to be the last one. But this is, uh, this is what, how Britain says thank you to all the doctors, nurses and frontline workers for looking after them. Thank you for listening to Coexisting. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear the story unfold, I would be grateful if you could share this with a friend and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. That way, that many more people will find us.